welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. My name is Dr. James Rudd. I'm the Digital Media Editor at Heart. And today we have a discussion with Dr. Sean Zhang, all about heart failure and preserved ejection fraction. Sean and his team recently won the 2018 Best Paper Award in Heart for their meta-analysis and systematic review of treatments that might be effective in HEFBEF. I hope you enjoy the show. So I'm delighted to be at the ESE 2019 meeting in Paris, and we're actually on the roof terrace of the Convention Center, and I'm delighted to be talking with Dr. Sean Zeng from King's College Hospital in London. Sean and his team recently won the 2018 Best Paper Award for their publication in Heart, and Sean's going to talk to us today all about heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Many thanks for joining me, Sean. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk about our paper on heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Perhaps we can start off by uh, you talking to the heart audience about what we mean by, should we call it HEFPEF, the acronym of choice? What do we mean by that condition? So HEFPEF is heart failure, um, defined as signs and symptoms of heart failure, together with uh, LV ejection fraction of uh, 40 uh, or 50% or more. And how do we normally diagnose the condition? So the diagnosis is usually made based on clinical assessment um, uh, together with um, echocardiographic um, confirmation of the normal ejection fraction as well as perhaps other abnormalities. Uh, And there are also blood tests that we can use, um, including, for example, uh, BNP or NT pro BNP. And can you give us an idea of what the patient might experience when they are developing HEFPEF. What kind of symptoms would you say are the commonest things that you see in the clinic? Uh, The commonest things would include shortness of breath, uh, particularly when the uh, patient is exerting themselves. They may also notice some swelling in the ankles um, uh, or fatigue or lethargy. And I know from reading your paper that about half of patients with heart failure actually have an ejection fraction in the so-called normal range. So it's a very, very common condition, isn't it? And it has some comorbidities that go along with it or which are perhaps causative. Could you talk a little bit about those, Sean? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so patients with um, HEFPEF, um, when, you confer- when you compare them to individuals with what we call heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, so those with injection fraction of less than 40%, we tend to find that the HEFPEF patients um, are older. Uh, they are usually uh, more likely to be women. Um, other conditions that are associated with HEFPEF include um, obesity or raised BMI, Um, atrial fibrillation, high blood pressure, diabetes. Okay. And in terms of treating these patients, I mean, clearly for HEF-REF, so heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, we've got an armamentarium of medications, ACE inhibitors, beta blockers, ARNIs, uh, and even Entresto now, along with devices, of course, where appropriate. What's the situation like for patients with preserved ejection fraction and heart failure symptoms? Um, so, uh, when referring to uh, the guidelines of European as well as the American guidelines, uh, the main recommendations are actually treatment of comorbidities, uh, such as the ones that I've mentioned previously, mainly uh, hypertension, diabetes, blood pressure. Um, they also recommend use of diuretics um, uh, to ease symptoms such as shortness of breath and reduced exercise capacity. Um, but actually, unfortunately, at the moment, the guidelines don't refer specifically to any treatments which um, improve survival, for example, or prevent hospitalization. And so I guess that was probably the 
genesis of the idea of your paper, really, to perhaps do a meta-analysis and see if there was any signal from the vast literature that you looked at. Can you talk a little bit about the study that you did? Um, absolutely. So we conducted a systematic review and meta-analysis uh, looking at randomized controlled trials uh, that tested pharmacological therapies compared with control or placebo therapies um, in patients with heart failure and preserved ejection fraction. Um, the main outcomes we looked at were um, hard clinical endpoints, and by that um, I mean all-cause mortality, but we also looked at cardiovascular mortality and heart failure hospitalization. Uh, in light of the fact that lots of these patients have significant burden of symptoms, um, we also sought to look at um, what we thought to be patient uh, important outcomes, such as exercise capacity and quality of life. And how long was your study? How far did you go back in the literature? Um, so we actually uh, looked, we searched the databases um, from the inception of the databases up until the point when we did the search, which was around uh, two and a half years ago. Um, in actual fact, uh, the earliest study uh, was from around 20 years ago, from the mid to late 1990s. And in the end, uh, at the, in the results of your study, you looked at uh, 25 randomized control trials of around 18,000 patients, is that right? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. And how did you select the studies for inclusion? Um, so we, we looked for studies which enrolled patients with um, heart failure and a confirmed uh, LV ejection fraction of 40% or more. Um, the individual trials had separate trial inclusion criteria which um, we did not necessarily mandate. So, for example, some trials enrolled patients who were hospitalized for heart failure, but we did not specify that. Uh, we also uh, required that studies have a minimum of at least three months of follow-up. And these were presumably clinical trials of many different agents that had been tried in HEFPEF over the years? Uh, yeah, yes. So we looked for any pharmacological intervention. Um, the main ones, broadly speaking, in which we grouped them by were beta blockers, uh, ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, uh, and mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists. Um, however, we, um, there were, were also a small number of trials which uh, used, for example, calcium channel blockers, um, digoxin, nitrates, for example. And what kind of analysis did you do on the data? How did you look for the, uh, obviously, things like publication bias and the other pitfalls we know you can find in systematic reviews and meta-analyses? So publication bias was assessed using uh, Eggers' test um, on all of the clinical endpoints, and we found that there was no evidence of publication bias. Um, uh, further, we uh, assessed the quality of the publication using Cochrane risk of bias assessment. Um, I believe we found five studies which were high risk of bias, uh, primarily due to their open-label nature. Okay. And can you perhaps summarize the, the top-line results of the study? Uh, so the main results were that uh, we found that beta blockers, when pooled, reduced both uh, all-cause and cardiovascular mortality. All-cause mortality was reduced by 22% uh, with a p-value of 0 0.008, um, and cardiovascular mortality was reduced by 25% with a, uh, a p-value of 0 0.01. Um, for ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, and mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, we found no improvement in either mortality or hospitalization. And did you find any um, effect of any of the drugs on the so-called softer endpoints that you talked about, the patient-related endpoints? Um, so we found that uh, when all of the therapies were pulled together, that there was a very modest uh, improvement in quality of life, which we measured using Minnesota Living with Heart Failure Questionnaire. Um, that difference was only about one point or so, uh, and which we deemed not to be clinically meaningful. 
uh, there was no difference in exercise capacity. So what was your conclusion uh, from the study? So the conclusion was that there was uh, a hint of perhaps benefit with beta blockers on mortality outcomes, although we limit that by saying that the pooled event was primarily driven by one single study uh, conducted over 20 years ago where there was a very high event rate. Uh, that study was um, by Aronov uh, et al., published in 1997. And actually, when we did sensitivity analysis excluding that study, there was no effect with beta blockers. So we do urge caution when interpreting that. I guess the positive thing is that all of the treatments were found to be safe. So, for example, if you are treating your patient with HEFPEF for a comorbidity, there is no reason not to favor the use of, for example, an ACE inhibitor or an ARB for blood pressure control or beta blockers for rate control of atrial fibrillation, for example. And we, we would be remiss if we finished by not talking about the Paragon uh, HF study that was just published uh, at the ESC or, and just discussed at the ESC as well. Uh, and that study narrowly missed its primary endpoint. Have you got anything to perhaps you could just briefly summarize the, the, the highlights of that trial for you? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think we're all rather disappointed that the p-value for the primary outcome for Paragon HF was only just north of 0.05, I think it was 0.059 if I remember correctly. Um, and in a way, not altogether too surprising because we have evidence both from my meta-analysis but also from the large clinical trials that have used ACE inhibitors and ARBs that perhaps RAS activity, and by RAS I mean renin, angiotensin, aldosterone system, um, activity is not as important in HEFPEF perhaps compared with its HEFREF counterparts. Um, nonetheless, because of the impressive results in the HEFREF population, I think there was a lot of hope and possibly hype uh, that potentially Entresto or Sacrobitral Valsartan might have had an effect in HEF-PEF. I think there was some interesting subgroup data which was presented at the late breaking, suggesting that perhaps in patients with a slightly low ejection fraction that it could potentially be beneficial. And uh, as you'll be aware, uh, James, that uh, the most recent ESE guidelines have characterized this new HEF-MREF or mid-range ejection fraction um, which is 40 to 50%, and indeed there is some evidence in the literature from post hoc analyses of RCTs that drugs that we thought didn't work in HEFPEF may actually work in HEFMREF. So, for example, I think candesartan would be one as well as um, spironolactone. And I'm assuming that there are other trials in this disease going on with different classes of medications. Are there other ones that you wanted to, to mention to us? So, so I think the main ones that come to mind are those involving the SGLT. SGLT2 inhibitors, so that's the sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitors. Uh, yesterday, again, we were privileged enough to see a presentation of DAPA-HF, which had very impressive results in a heart failure reduced ejection fraction population, and I understand that there are at least two, if not three, large randomized controlled trials that are ongoing in the HEFPEF population with dapagliflozin, that would be the CLIP, the DELIVER uh, trial, and in, uh, with empagliflozin, and that's the emperor Preserve trial. I think those are due to present in a year or two's time. So I think those are probably the last um, big drug classes which potentially could have a positive impact on patients with HEFPEF. And I should, we should say that the SGLT2 inhibitors are anti-diabetic medications, aren't they? But here in those trials, they're being trialed in patients not necessarily who have diabetes. Yes, absolutely. So they were um, uh, 
initially discovered and used for the treatment of diabetes, but actually um, our understanding is that perhaps they have a strong diuretic effect, and that is why they are beneficial in heart failure. And certainly we know that, um, if you refer to the guidelines, that diuresis is one of the mainstay treatments for HEFPEF. So there is hope that these treatments may possibly be beneficial in HEFPEF patients. Brilliant. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time, uh, Sean, and offer you very many congratulations for winning the, uh, the prestigious Paper of the Year 2018 award from Heart. And uh, we will make the paper completely open access so everybody can go ahead and read it. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.